Welcome to episode five of KataCast. This episode is from a YouTube video titled About the Toyota Kata Research. It's a video that was uploaded by Mike Rother, and I'm sharing it with his permission. If you want uh, to actually see the video, um, I've set up a forwarding URL at www.leanblog.org slash kata5, or you can find it through Mike's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash 734mike. If you go to that page, um, you'll find a link to the PDF document about the Toyota uh, Kata research. You'll also find a, a link to the BJ Fogg video that uh, Mike shared a, a part of in his presentation. So I hope you enjoy these episodes. If you'd like to learn more about how to subscribe through iTunes and other methods, you can go to leanblog.org slash katacast for more information. Basically, we studied Toyota. It's an interesting company, you know. And at some point, you realize they're looking at you kind of funny, and, and they're saying basically, okay, we can show you this, but why are you looking at our solutions to our problems? And, and why aren't you home working on your own problems? They never said that, but eventually I think you could see it in their eyes. It's like, okay, we will show you the Kanban card one more time, you know. And eventually even I figure it out, and it's like, oh, why aren't we studying how they develop solutions instead of their solutions? Um, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. It seems like what they're motivated by is a long-term, a desire to survive as an organization for a long time. And this is a traditional Toyota illustration that you may be familiar with. You see the manager at the top helping the, the associate, is the word they use in the United States, helping the learner to climb the mountain toward the next goal and to, to practice their skills and learn new skills. So Toyota practices consistent routines of leadership and management that help maintain, my perspective, an entrepreneurial spirit in the organization. If you watch other organizations, there's an entrepreneurial phase of the organization. The people who start the organization are motivated by a customer, by a problem, by serving the customer, by any, you know, you, you think about it 24 hours a day and you're constantly working on it and you're adjusting and you're fine-tuning. And if you speak with entrepreneurs, it's a very exciting time in their life. It's a time that they wish they could have again. And then these organizations, as they evolve, they become more the maintainers of the status quo. For understandable reasons, it's not really a criticism. But somehow Toyota has been able to maintain enough entrepreneurial spark in the organization to keep moving forward, to be profitable for 60 years, to develop new ways and new solutions. And that's kind of interesting. And so that's the perspective with which I'd like to go into this presentation. So a little background. The Toyota Kata research took place from 2004 to 2009. Uh, we already knew a lot about Toyota, but... The efforts we were seeing in organizations to replicate, to duplicate Toyota's success were not working. There would be some improvement, and then it would slip back. We knew something was missing. Several of our colleagues were saying, we think what's missing is in their management system, and that's about all we knew. And some people were saying, Toyota managers don't tell their people what to do. They ask questions. We tried that. We tried that. So we told the manager, you can't tell the employee the answer you can only ask questions. And the manager said, oh, well, I have the answer in my head, but I can't say it, so please try to guess. <laughs> you know? And it was like, no, 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 this is, I don't think that's what Toyota is actually doing, right? So there, there was more. There was more. So these two questions were the research questions. What are the unseen 
invisible managerial routines and thinking that lie behind Toyota's success with continuous improvement and adaptation. Why can they keep going? How come they can sustain this? The second question is actually the more interesting one, I think. How can other organizations develop similar routines and thinking to Toyota? And that's the question uh, I'm working on today. But let's start with the first question. What are these unseen managerial routines and thinking that lie behind Toyota's success and they're able to sustain their improvement and adaptation? Um, If you look long enough, if you begin to see kind of a pattern of thinking and acting at Toyota, and and we depicted it with this four-step model. Right, So every manager, every leader at Toyota has their own style, a slightly different way of doing it. It's not you know, totally consistent. But generally speaking, step one, there's a sense of direction. There is a sense of where are we trying to go. There's a sense of challenge. So there's some sense of overall direction, which may be somewhat far away. Um, then number two, uh, whatever team you're with has to understand the current condition. Where are we now? It doesn't really make sense to make goals for people if we don't first understand where we are. Uh, the third step then is to establish a target condition in the direction of the challenge. And the fun step, the one that everybody wants to do, the fourth step is to then work scientifically or conduct experiments in the direction of your next target condition. Which, by the way, this target condition always has a date on it. You can see the line going backward here, right? Uh, that indicates that experiments don't always produce a positive result or the expected result. Um, we still hear many managers saying to their uh, people, what would be the, what's the benefit of taking the step that you're proposing? What's the benefit of that? What's the ROI of that step? And actually, the benefit comes from the target condition or the goal and getting there. To think that each step along the way will bring a benefit automatically condemns you to staying where you are today. You will only do things that you can imagine working perfectly. Um, You won't venture beyond what you know today. So it's not the steps that bring the benefit. They often bring the learning, but sometimes it's backwards. Uh, It's the target condition that brings the, uh, the benefit. So this is just a model. It's very similar to systems thinking, learning organization, design thinking, creative thinking. These are all different models. Uh, Solution-focused practice, preferred futuring, skills of inquiry, evidence-based learning. All of these approaches and others have a very similar pattern. You know, it may not be four steps, but it looks very similar. And and that's actually kind of interesting um, because all of a sudden, it's not about Toyota. All of a sudden, it's about humans. And all of a sudden, it's not about, well, his model is better than my model is better than your model. It's about, well, all the models are roughly the same. This is the way humans work when they're very creative. This is the way humans work when they're under pressure. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, where do we need to get to? Where are we today? What happened? What do we need to adjust to get to our next goal? And you adjust very quickly. This is the way the military works. So uh, a key point here is that Toyota's success has come from striving scientifically for all sorts of challenging goals not just from eliminating waste uh, for greater efficiency. So we called this, I called this model the improvement kata because there's a Japanese word, and it's right up here. This is the kanji, and it's a suffix that means way of doing. So this is like the way of doing improvement. There is also a way of coaching or a way of teaching that inside of Toyota, and they have a master apprentice style of teaching And it's a lot like what you would recognize from sports and music, where the coach 
has, gives the learner procedural input on what they're practicing. And you can see in the photo here, I think it's a great photo, uh, does a corrective input for the learner as they practice on something real. So if you take the improvement kata pattern and the coaching kata pattern and put them together, you have a management system, a management approach for creating a certain kind of capability in the organization. And that's what it's about, developing capabilities. Essentially, Toyota managers are teaching their people a scientific mindset, or uh, if I may use the word, a meta-skill, a content-neutral skill that can be applied to almost anything, and thereby they create an effective shared way of working throughout the organization. Those of you who have children, those of you who are teachers, what do we teach them? We can't predict the future, right? So 20 years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, what will they be facing? The solutions we may teach them today, here's Kanban, this is a great solution, may not fit with what they will face in the future, and we'll be gone, right? So what can we teach them? Maybe the best thing we can teach is a content-neutral meta-skill or scientific thinking or a practical type of scientific thinking to which they can apply to almost anything they face. And that's kind of what Toyota is teaching. It also, you know, if you teach a certain skill set to a person who's joining the organization at the beginning, and let's say you spend 5, 10, 15 years teaching them a certain way of thinking and working, and then they get into an upper management position, you wouldn't say to that person, well, now forget everything you learned before. We have a different way of thinking that we're going to teach you now that you're in senior management. Uh, That's almost impossible. Once you've developed a habit like that, you can't really change it. So so it has to be some kind of skill that can be applied to almost anything. The cool thing is, once your organization has such capability, now you can introduce almost any challenge you want into that organization. You've you've created a capability. You've created horsepower. You've created someone that a, a, a group of people who can receive a challenge and actually effectively work toward it. So what are the benefits and advantages of this? Well, the improvement kata and coaching kata, this management approach is well-suited to dealing with challenging goals in complex, dynamic systems. If your business is in a completely predictable environment and it's the same all the time, and it's rare to find such a business, of course, then you probably don't need this. Uh, but those, those complex, dynamic situations, by their nature, involve finding our way along unpredictable paths through a systematic process of discovery and adjustment. So this is kind of like uh, scientific thinking applied to business. Um, I have a picture of Moltke the Elder, or another one is Clausewitz. Anyone familiar with these guys, the Prussian generals? Yeah, okay. Um, And actually, Napoleon could be up there, too. I think it actually began with Napoleon. A quick side story. Um, It was in the 1800s. Again, I don't know enough about this to speak uh, to it other than as an amateur. Um, in the 1800s, battles were getting large. The number of soldiers in the field were getting too large to command. And the commanders, Napoleon, Clausewitz, Molka the Elder, they realized we can no longer give commands from the central position to the people in the field. It, it's too late. We, can't, we don't see what's going on. It's too big. It's too complicated. It's too dynamic. So they came up with an idea, which in uh, the German military is called Auftragstaktik, which in English I think is called Mission Command. If you're interested, take a look. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, and the idea is basically is, hmm, we will give our units in the field the goal. We will tell them what we're trying to get to, but then they will maneuver on their own because they're closest to the action. 
they're where the action is happening. They can see what's happening, and they can adjust quickly. Uh, they, will, they will navigate on their own to get to the goal. It sounds a lot like self-directed work teams that we had in the 1990s. I don't know if you had that in Canada, but we went pretty crazy with that in the United States. Uh, it was empowerment. Um, it didn't work. It didn't work. So the general sat back and said, wow, it resulted in kind of a chaotic situation. And what the generals learned in the 1800s was, yes, we can give our units the goal that they need to achieve, but we also need to teach them how to navigate. How should they do the navigating? So a lot of the energy of the leaders went into training the units to be essentially scientific thinkers on the ground, and that worked. So the combination of giving a goal plus creating a skill that allows these units to navigate independently worked. And that's what was wrong, I think, with our empowerment efforts in the 1990s, where we quickly said, you guys are a self-directed team, please go right ahead, right? And that can't work. It's too chaotic. But if we say, you're, you're empowered, and we're going to teach you a way of working, and here's the goal, now we've created something. And that's what Toyota's trying to do. But we have a problem. So we have a model... But no matter how good it is, just explaining a model doesn't generate new ways of thinking and acting. That model I just showed you, the four-step model, we've had similar models of, like, since 1978. People have been talking about the learning organization since 1978. There aren't that many learning organizations around. And uh, Sylvain, if I can be, you know, I have one foot in the academic world. If I can be a little critical of us as academics, you know, we make a model and then we say, we've explained it. I don't know why you're not doing it. There it is. You know, um, fortunately, we have brain science coming into the picture now, telling us that just explaining a model, no matter how well you do it, no matter how much we talk, no matter how good our slides are, no matter how good our examples are from other companies, will not change your behavior. Hoping to create different behavior by explaining or trying to convince people generally doesn't work. That brings us to the second question. How can other organizations or companies develop similar routines, like Toyota's routines, in their own organizations? And that's the question that has occupied us since the publication of the Toyota Kata book in 2009. We're not actually studying Toyota anymore. Myself and my colleagues, there are others who are, but Toyota is no longer all that interesting. What's interesting is how do we develop a different kind of culture, a different kind of skill set, and ultimately a different kind of mindset in, in our organizations. And for that matter, a skill set and a mindset that suits your organization, because I think copying Toyota won't work. So this, this doesn't work. We have Toyota's way, and we've studied that quite a bit. Uh, there's been a lot of publishing about Toyota's way. I've contributed to that myself. And then there's a red arrow going right to our organization. We go look at best practice at Toyota, and then we come back home and we try to introduce it. Um, I think I can pretty confidently at this point say it's just not going to work. It just doesn't work. We don't behave a certain way because we lack information. We behave one way or another because it's a habit. And changing means deliberately practicing a different routine, which over time will change our our thinking. Um, Just knowing what Toyota does doesn't really help. Furthermore, Toyota's kind of the pro, the pro, the pros up there. They're the professionals. They're, they're the best at what they do on the planet, right? So this is like picking the best athlete if you want to do a sport or picking the best musician if you want to learn how to play an instrument and, and seeing what they do. And everything that they will explain to you will be correct. This is how I do it. But it won't help you and me 
because we're beginners. We're not, we're not in the same position. Also, experts often make poor coaches. They can't explain what they're doing because it's already a habit. They don't even know what they're doing. So changing means deliberately practicing a different routine. So it, we're talking about practice. We're talking about deliberate practice. We're talking about the brain. But you wouldn't try to run 20 miles right at the start. Well, you could try, but it won't work, right? You begin with some starter practice routines to help you learn some fundamentals and then and build some initial confidence in the new skill that you're trying to learn. Getting that initial confidence is very important for the learner. There has to be some sense of, ooh, I'm getting better at this. So I think this is really how it works. And if you take a look, you know, we, we can study Toyota's way. That's fine. I think it's very important. I think we've learned a lot there, and there's probably more to learn. But then we have to... Uh, begin with some practice routines somewhere down here. All of us will start at different places, you know. And again, we could be talking about playing a musical instrument or a sport. Um, and then, you know, we evolve by practicing, and ultimately we develop our organization's own way. So the book came out um, 2009, and um, the reactions are interesting to the book. And, and uh, the reactions are interesting because they show me what I did wrong or what I could have done better. So sometimes we'll go to an organization, and you'll see something in the book, and it's made permanent as a poster on the wall, right? And it's like, oh, that was just supposed to be a start. That was just supposed to be something you use here to get you to develop your own way. Um, And I don't think I explained that well enough. But I also think there's a tendency in us as humans to want a solution. We want a ready solution. Uh, rather than to develop a solution, rather than to develop our own way as an organization. Um, And I think if you say Toyota or Lean, Toyota Production System, if you say it's about efficiency, uh, quality improvement, no leader in the world is going to say, I don't want that. I don't want eliminating waste efficiency. I don't want that. That's 100% participation. But if you say, well, lean and the Toyota system is more about creating a scientific mindset in the organization that then can be applied to any goal that you might have, and by the way, the middle managers have to be the teachers every day of this approach, and the middle managers have to learn first before they can be teachers, I think a lot of leaders are now looking at their watch and saying, oh, um, I've got a meeting, I, you know, I'm really... Um, and, and, you know, it's not a criticism. I think there are many ways to run a successful business. And Toyota's way is not the only way. So if all of a sudden lean becomes something that's more, it's, it's about creating a deliberate culture in your organization, and if it becomes something that maybe only 20 30% of the companies are interested in, that's okay. Maybe that's fine. All right, let's take a quick look. So you wouldn't begin with a 20-mile run. So there's a colleague at Stanford, B.J. Fogg. Some of you might have seen this or, or know about his stuff, but it's very approachable. And, and B.J. Uh, deals with health issues. How do we get people to change their health habits? You know, maybe it's losing weight or smoking or any, any kind of bad habits that they might have. But it's really the same process in terms of learning new skills. It's really the same process that Toyota's going through. And we have some former Toyota employees here, too. Um, so, you know... I think when I talk to them, it's the same thing, right? You sort of began, you didn't do a 20-mile run the first day, right? Right. So it's a three-minute video. Could we just watch the uh, BJ Fogg video uh, a little bit about how skills are developed? I would have never expected that a year ago, that today I would be doing 50, 60, 70 push-ups a day. 
But all this is part of being obsessed with the behavior. And one of the things that you need to do if you is practice changing your own behavior. And that gives you an understanding of how behavior works. Now, the way I arrived here was very much like the flossing, but a little bit different. And this was the equation. After I pee, I will do two push-ups. Okay, so I'd use the facility. Yes, technically, you flush the toilet first. And then two push-ups. And you're done. And you go, awesome. Okay? That's, yeah, okay, awesome, yeah. Well, after two, it's really easy. You move on. Then you do five. Then you do eight. And it, the current where I'm at now, I do eight, but I always do extra credit. So I tend to do 12 or so, and it adds up over the day. I end up doing, who knows, 50, 60, 70, depending on how much water I've had and other factors. <laughs> the good news is that behavior and behavior change is not as complicated as most people think. It's systematic. One of the best ways to get people to do a behavior in the long term is to build their confidence and ability through baby steps. Now, I know you've heard the term baby steps before, and sometimes people trivialize that because it's like baby steps. It sounds trivial, but it's not. Baby steps are super powerful. It's a way to help people continue to do harder and harder behaviors. And the way it works is this. If you start people out doing something easy, and if they feel successful doing that thing, they're much more likely to do it again because that thing becomes easier to do. That behavior, let's say it's walking five minutes, it's easier to do day two, and naturally their motivation rises up. They're more hopeful and less fearful around that behavior. So as you have them take baby steps, you're letting them develop more ability and more motivation. And so you can ratchet up the baby steps and ask them then to do something harder. Maybe walk 15 minutes, day one, day two, day three. And now here comes the magic. Not necessarily after day three, but after a period of time of feeling successful. What I call success momentum. There's this moment in time that I call a springboard moment where they jump up and they're, they're able to do something much harder. What seems to happen is their fear shifts to hope. So fear depressing the behavior, as they feel successful, then they become more hopeful than fearful. And notice as the motivation goes up, they're able to do a hard behavior. And I found that people actually select the hard behavior on their own, and they do this without me prompting them. The key is to help them take baby steps, guide them on the baby steps, and help them feel successful. That's how you tap into the power of success momentum, and you lead them to what I call a springboard moment. And boom, they'll do these harder things. I have people every week who email me and say, BJ, thank you for helping me succeed in these small ways. I, wow, I, I, I was feeling so awesome about what I was doing and my ability to change. I did this super hard thing in my life. So watch for that in your own life, and watch for that dynamic in the lives of people you work with. Oh, thanks. Thanks for rolling the video. Sylvain, I think the most beneficial thing people are going to put in the evaluations is uh, the, the exercise after peeing. I think this is a you know, great seminar. So, um, <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of what he's talking about, right? And I, I also like how he says it's not that complicated, right? It's systematic. We can understand. The brain is an incredibly complicated thing, but, but I think even on a, a pedestrian level, we can understand what's happening and what we need to do to change. And the other thing that maybe you, you get out of BJ's little video is 
it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's fun to learn something new. You have to have that confidence. You have to get that feedback and feel like you're, ooh, I'm making progress, right? Um, Pablo Casals, you know, in his 80s or 90s, was interviewed by the New York Times, the cellist, right? And he, they interviewed him, and they said, you know, do you still practice? And he said, yeah, three hours a day. The guy's like 90, right? And, and, and uh, they said, well, why, why do you still practice? You're 90. You've achieved everything. You're the best cellist on, in the world. Why do you practice? And he said, well, I think I'm getting better. <laughs> you know, what else do we have, really, as humans, right? So, you know, we can, we can go over to Toyota and see what the pros are doing and try to bring it over and say, we should do this. Toyota's doing this, you know. Or we can say, what do we want to achieve? And here's some routines. Here's some simple routines we can start with and... Uh, we can develop our own way. So um, there is another definition of the word kata. The first definition of the word kata that I shared with you is way of doing. And it really fit well with the research. We're studying Toyota. This kind of pattern appears. And we said, wow, you know, that's kind of like your way of doing things. That's kind of like your way of improving. Uh, It looks to us kind of like a kata. And there was actually a Toyota executive who said, yeah, pretty much everything we do at Toyota is a kata, you know. Of course, we slapped our foreheads and said, why didn't you tell us that six years ago? Um, Because we wouldn't have listened, right? Um, But there's another definition of the word kata, and it has a different kanji, as you can see here, and it means form, or, if you will, practice routine, something you do again and again so that it becomes a habit. So the word is actually quite adept for what we're talking about. It's a way of doing things, but you also have practice routines uh, that help you adopt new ways of thinking and acting. And, and that's where the brain science starts to come in. So we have, I'm using the word starter kata. I like that word because it automatically suggests you wouldn't be doing it exactly this way forever. I'm trying to head off the idea that you might leave this room and go, we need to practice these kata and we need to do them forever. Um, the improvement kata is not a problem-solving methodology. It is a process of skill development. Those are two very different things. So we have that improvement kata model at the top here, the four steps. But when you get into the second question, how can we get other organizations to develop similar ways of thinking and acting that suit their own organizations? Clearly, we had to develop practice routines. And now we have them. There are practice routines for each step of the improvement kata pattern. And they're very simple. And you do them over and over again. And we call them starter kata. The instructions uh, for each starter kata uh, are in this little handbook. Little, it's get, gotten quite long, actually. Handbook called the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata Practice Guide. Free download on the Toyota Kata website. Uh, here's just an example. Um, everything you see in red has a routine associated with it that one would practice. And these are the very things that, if you're not careful, will get laminated and put on the wall as a permanent best practice. Just the way we have them here. Our starter, starter kata have a certain format. Yet you go to other companies and you look on the wall and it's, you recognize it. It's the same pattern, but they've adjusted it to suit their world after they practice. The right question is, how long should you practice religiously? And so, you know, for those of you who've seen the Karate Kid, I use those photos. The first step is just to follow the practice routine without modification. Just do it the way it's designed over and over again for a while. This can take a couple of months. Uh, Then you begin to move away from that practice routine. Once you kind of understand the reason behind it, 
then you can start to change it up a little bit and develop your own style. Anyone here do martial arts? I don't. Does anyone? Yeah. So, have you practiced kata? Why do you practice kata? To learn... To, to, to learn... And so, um, it becomes an automatic habit then, right? You develop what? A reflex. Good, I like that. Right. You're not thinking about it consciously anymore. It's automatic, right? Now, you practice a certain way, right? Uh, some people have told me, oh gosh, I hate the kata. The sensei says, please do it again. Exactly this way, over and over and over again, right? But now, when you get into a fight, say, just to use that example, uh, you can't say to your opponent, please come at me from the left, because that's how I've practiced, right? <laughs> so, after you, <laughs> after you practice, you start to develop your own style, your own mix to suit your situation, and, 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 and that's really uh, what the practice routines are for. So one thing I want to say is uh, another question that has come up over the last six years is, oh, well, now we have to do this kata thing. Should I get rid of my A3 and now do kata instead? For those of you who know what A3 is, um, should I get rid of some of the lean techniques we're doing, the lean activities we've been doing, and now I have to do kata? And I'm happy to report, I'm thrilled to report, Kata plays well with all of it. Um, we don't need a world where someone says, oh, we thought we had the solution five years ago, but now we know what the solution is, because that, the pendulum will swing forever. This is a never-ending process. Um, remember, what our research tried to look into was what are the unseen routines and patterns in the management system at Toyota that help them be successful with the more visible things that we've been seeing already at Toyota, cellular manufacturing, Kanban, Heijunka, Teams, and on all those kinds of things. And I'm trying to illustrate that with this diagram. It doesn't, kata, improvement kata and coaching kata, doesn't take anything away from those visible techniques. It actually supports them. So, for example, A3. People come all the time and they say, well, should I do A3 or should I do kata? Well, what we find out is their A3s aren't working very well. So if you take the kata routines, if you take these routines and use them inside your A3. So I got an email from a, a woman at a hospital in Michigan. She said, we could never get our employees to experiment. They make an A3, they make a plan, they do it all exactly by the book, and then they implement the plan. They don't experiment. And she said, what we did is we took your mini kata, your starter kata for experimenting. There it is right there and we stuck it in our A3 at that spot. She says, now I can't get them to stop experimenting. So we take a, a practice routine and add it. Um, Gemba walks, very popular, right? So Bosch in Germany was one of the research sites for Toyota Kata, very nice company. Um, and Vice, a big company, right? So these factories have 2,000 employees and, and 3,000 employees. And every now and then the vice president would come, you know, every, every month the VP is traveling to visit the factories. And when the vice president comes to visit to do a Gemba walk, it's all planned out and the route is planned and what they're going to look at. You know, it's a full-time activity to get ready for the vice president to come. And, and they're nice people. And the vice president, we, we were walking with the vice president and uh, they stop, right? And the vice president doesn't want to look stupid, right? So they say, well, how come he's reaching so far? You know, oh, why is that mess there? How long does that changeover take? You know, and we lean over to the, um, to the uh, uh, VP and we say, you know, every time you say something like that, you create activity. 
there is now a project based on what you said. He said, I'm just asking a question. No, no. He says, okay, I won't say anything. I'll just take a look. And we said, anything you look at is going to create a project, right? (laughs) And, you know, this is big German vice president on a little research. He says, what do you want me to say, you know? And he says, well, you could simply ask about the procedure. So if you look at the five coaching kata questions, was there a card handed out with the five questions? Did I see a card? No? Okay. They're available online. So these are questions that a leader can ask. What's your challenge here? Picture this. The leader goes into an area, and instead of saying, why is this so messy? Why is this taking so long? What is he reaching so far? Shouldn't this be? Shouldn't that be? He says, oh, hello. Thank you for inviting me to your area. Um, What's your challenge here? What's the big challenge you're shooting for? Do they know? Can they answer the question? If they can't, turn to the manager and say, I think we have some work to do. Ah, What's your next goal here? What are you shooting for? Show me. Show me your goal, right? Can they answer the question? Where are you now? How do you know? Show me. Do you have a run chart? Do you have some data? Do you have a drawing? Okay. What obstacles are preventing you from getting to that goal? Do they know? Which one are you working on? Tell me about your last experiment against that obstacle. Oh, that's an, are they doing good experiments? Are they working scientifically? Are they doing experiments? What's your next experiment? What do you expect to happen from that experiment? Right? So what we've taken there is a gimbal walk, and we didn't say stop doing gimbal walks. We said take your gimbal walk, but infuse it with improvement kata coaching kata patterns. Um, it was A3, it was gimbal walks, and huddles. Everybody's doing huddles. I think they were in, in, in the book about management standard work. So now everybody has a huddle board, right? It's okay. But what, what gets written on the huddle board is problems. And all they become is sort of a traditional, all right, here's a problem that just came up. The machine broke or, or something. or sticky again. Who's taking this problem? And we're going to follow up every week. That's not really scientific. That's really just old-style command and control. So take your huddle, but put the five questions in. Or use this kind of, So you can take these individual practice routines and integrate them into the activities you're already doing. So improvement kata, coaching kata, plays well with others. So here's what's really happening. Remember I showed the picture at the beginning, the traditional Toyota picture. The manager is at the top. The employee is down here. And the manager is teaching a way of thinking. This is a very common picture at Toyota, right? You've seen it, right? It's incorrect. I would like to say Toyota is wrong. Based on our experience, this is what's happening. And what we've done in this picture is put the manager down below and the learner up above. Think about Clausewitz and Napoleon and, and uh, Moltke the Elder, or yourself as a parent, or yourself as a manager. We are back here, and we're hanging on a rope that is held by our employees. They're close to the action. They're doing the doing. We can't see what, exactly what they're doing. We're not there all the time. So we're hanging 10 feet off a rope. They're climbing the mountain. If we were to tell them from our position, no, no, put the piton in here. Put your ice axe in here. Put the crampons on now. We will fall off the mountain. Because we can't see. We're not looking at the rock. So if we're hanging off the rope and we're dependent on all our employees climbing, what's the only thing we can do? Give procedural guidance. That's the only thing we can do as a manager. Make sure that that climber is working scientifically. Make sure that that climber is working effectively. And if you do that, and the managers that we've worked with, who have 5, 10, 15 people they're managing, 
they've told us, wow, I have changed. Because now, once you feel the pull of the rope in your hand from 5, 10, 15 people climbing forward, and all you're doing is giving them procedural advice, what's your next experiment? Show me how you'd like to run that experiment. What do you expect to happen? How will you measure whether or not your expectation came true? How quickly can we do this experiment? Can we do this experiment today? That's procedural guidance. That's not telling people what to do, right? They said the feel of the pull of the rope of 5, 10, 15 people pulling you forward, pulling the organization forward. He said once you feel that, you can't go back. You can't go back. And you realize you don't know the answers. So I think Toyota got the picture backwards. You know, when the parent in Little League Baseball rushes out onto the field and says to the kids, please move aside, let me play for you, it's not good. The newspaper comes, they take pictures, the police come, it's just not a good scene, right? (laughs) This is it. He can't play the game. He's the manager. The only way he can be successful is if they win enough games. But he can't play the game. There's no way. What can he do? Or she? Give procedural guidance. Make sure they're playing the game well. Does he know in the third inning, at the beginning of the game, what's going to happen? So in the third inning, I would like you to go out to left field and get ready for the pop fly. That team's not going to win, right? So we can't even predict what our team will face. So the only way we can equip them is to give them a meta skill to think and act scientifically. So basically, what we have here with improvement kata and coaching kata is taking a scientific thinking pattern, which is that four-step model that you saw, and we're combining it with routines or principles of deliberate practice. Now, scientific thinking is not new. It's very old, about 400 years old as we know it. Deliberate practice is not new. Sports and music, it's been around for a long time. But I think combining those two things is a little bit unique. To create a scientific meta-skill through deliberate practice takes it out of the world of scientists in the laboratory with their white jackets and makes it a life skill that anybody can practice. I think we were about eliminating waste in the 20th century. I don't think you can cut your way to greatness. So I think in the 21st century, lean means what is our strategic objective? What do we want to do as a group? And... I can assure you that whatever we want to do as a group, if we manage ourselves well, we can achieve it. It is amazing what every one of us carries around on top of our spinal column. And uh, all you got to do is get it to the point where you feel the pull of the rope in your hands toward whatever it is your organization wants to achieve, which may be efficiency today, but tomorrow maybe it's something else. And so my wish for you is uh, best wishes for your practice, best wishes for achieving your goals, But more than that, just enjoy it. It is so much fun to work in a team. Sigma points here they're going to talk about today. It is so much fun to work in a team uh, and achieve things and realize what we can achieve. Um, I think once you do that as a manager, you you can't go back. You can't go back to command and control. So that's that's my wish for you, that you experience that teamwork. uh, We're on the planet for a short time of brains working together toward a shared goal and working scientifically and effectively. Good luck.